Man, so we are looking in the book of Acts. And we decided, you know, we're starting a church, so we're going to look at the first church and see how they started. And it's kind of, it's broken up into two parts. We're, we're first starting with a two-part mini-series, uh, which was last week. We're talking about the foundation this week and last week. Last week, we talked about the ascension of Christ in Acts 1. And this week, we're going to look at the descension of the Holy Spirit or the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. And then for the next six weeks after this week's, we're going to talk about the expansion of the church. It just, a- after we, what we read in Acts 2, it just began to explode. Uh, as you know, Christianity became a worldwide religion uh, going from just a couple of hundred people, men and women, into uh, the Roman emperor himself converting to Christianity and it becoming the standard religion of the Roman Empire, the biggest empire at the time. And so how does it go from just a couple of hundred people from Galilee to this worldwide movement over a few hundred years that is one of the most well-known uh, well religions at the time and now the biggest in the world? How does that happen? Well, that's what we are talking, the, the second part of today's uh, mini-series is about. It's, it's foundation. We talk about the Holy Spirit coming. Last week, we talked about how Jesus' ascension meant that he could be lifted up far above all the heavens and the earth as king and now be present with us. He had no more kind of human limitations. He wasn't at one place at one time, but now he is everywhere reigning as king and as Lord. And when he was lifted up, he promised something. And that's what we get into today. So what we're going to talk about, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, this is 10 days after last week. Uh, and what's happening here is the, the have the, um, the Feast of Pentecost. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, the, the Feast of Pentecost is something that has been going on in Jewish tradition for a long time. Uh, some people believe, scholars, uh, Jewish scholars believe that it actually started with the giving of the law from Moses. And they... Uh, celebrated, but it was really a time of harvest. Uh, and so every year, Jewish people from all over the world came because there were Jewish people living all over the world. There were people to the east of Israel, to the west. They were living in Greece and Rome, um, all the way in Iran, the, what, the old Persian Empire, all these places. But for different festivals every year, people would migrate uh, to Jerusalem, and they would come for these incredible celebrations, and one of them was Pentecost. And Pentecost was the celebration of the harvest. Uh, And it was a time where really you celebrate because you are going to live another year. Uh, The harvest coming meant that you weren't going to starve to death that year. So it was a great time to celebrate for people back in the day. You know, if, if there was famine in the land, it was very possible that that famine meant that you were not going to eat and somehow you were going to have to figure out, you know, what you were going to do. If there was famine for long periods of time, it was not like today. It was mass death on large scales. And so this was a time of celebration. It was an awesome time. People would come from all over the world to celebrate this time. And it's 10 days, again, after Jesus ascends into heaven. And so there are about 120 disciples that when, when Jesus talked to them, he said, why don't you stay here um, and 
something's going to happen. So there are about 120 disciples, men and women, that have kind of stuck around and are waiting uh, for what Jesus said when he ascended into heaven. So we're going to start chapter 2, verse 4, sorry, verse 1, and we're going to read to verse 4. And the verses will be on the screen, so you can read along if you want. Starting in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, all 120 disciples. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. One of them, on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So depending on what church background you're from, uh, you know, this is like your favorite verse in the entire Bible, or it's like your most dreaded verse in the entire Bible. It depends. Uh, So I may just start tap dancing right now. You know, the Holy Spirit is going to come down on me. Uh, I'm just messing with you. Uh, I I come from a a, a Pentecostal background. Uh, I call myself a recovering Pentecostal. Uh, (laughs) Because if if you grew up in New York in a Pentecostal church in the 90s and and you're still a Christian, then you're a recovering Pentecostal as well. But what's happening here in verses 1 to 4 is the promised Holy Spirit comes. See, a a lot in, in the Gospels, Jesus keeps talking about this helper, this comforter. Paul talks about him as the guarantee, the guarantor of our inheritance, the spirit of God that was going to come when Jesus ascended. In Luke 24, 49, Jesus says this, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So Jesus is foretelling this moment in time before he ascends in heaven. He's saying, you're going to wait around, and power from on high is going to clothe you, is going to come upon you. And this is that moment. This is the... The kind of idea when when, when Luke starts Acts, like we talked about last week, and it says all that Jesus began to do. You ask yourself, what are you talking about? How is this a beginning and and when he's about to ascend? Well, this is what it's talking about when it's a beginning because his spirit comes alive in us. The descension of the Holy Spirit, the promised spirit comes. And this is an incredible time because One thing that Jesus told the disciples in the Gospels is he said, when he's performing miracles, he's doing incredible things. And the disciples are, quite frankly, amazed, like any normal human being would be, right? Like, there's this blind dude, and Jesus spits in his eye, and then all of a sudden he sees, right? You know, if I tried spitting on my wife, and I'm like, this is Holy Spirit, you know, it's going to heal you. I'll get slapped if I did that. But Jesus does it, the guy gets healed. And the disciples are... What is going on? They're amazed. And then Jesus says this to them. You think this is great? You guys are going to do greater things than this. How is that possible? This is how it's possible. The dwelling of the Holy Spirit on men and women. And I want to talk about this because 
What a lot of people don't understand about what happens here is the, the language that's used, the references that use, is steeped in Old Testament reference and understanding and language. And when we kind of dig into the Old Testament and look at some of the verses and the ways the different times that the Spirit of God came and moved in amazing and powerful ways, we realize that it's the same language that is used here by Luke, and he's doing that purposefully. Because he's showing the Spirit of God that moved in the Old Testament is the Spirit of God that's moving now. He's moving now in a new way and in a great way. And so we see that the Spirit is bringing three things here. The Spirit brings regeneration, or we see that with the wind of God. The Spirit brings fire, and the Spirit brings gifts. The first thing that we see is the Spirit brings regeneration. It says that there came a sound, and like a mighty rushing wind. There's a verse, uh, a section in Ezekiel that talks about this wind, the, a sound coming from heaven and a mighty rushing wind or a wind coming from the four corners of the earth. And Ezekiel is this old school prophet, the, one of the Old Testament prophets. And God is constantly taking Ezekiel and he brings him into these incredible visions. And one of the visions that God brings Ezekiel to is he, he brings him to a desert land. And in, the, in this desert, there's dry bones. There is Obviously, a war here at some time and fallen soldiers just dead. And they filled the land, this desert place, no life anywhere. And God speaks to Ezekiel and he says, speak to the dry bones, Ezekiel. And so Ezekiel speaks into the dry bones. And what happens? It says a wind comes from the four corners and breathes life into these bones. And the bones begin to come together, and flesh starts to wrap around them, and they stand up and they create this army. And so the wind of God, when we look at the wind of God in the Old Testament, the wind of God symbolizes new life. The wind of God symbolizes regeneration. The Spirit of God brings life to dead things. The Spirit of God allows the dead things, and maybe in my heart, in our life, in this world, and he brings life. He, God is literally breathing into us with his Spirit, and he is literally breathing new life, newness, and regeneration into us. The Spirit brings fire. In the Old Testament in Exodus, there was a guy named Moses, another prophet. And Moses, this old shepherd, is walking, you know, one day he loses uh, one of his sheep, and he, he's walking, shepherd's do to find his sheep. And all of a sudden he sees this burning bush. And he starts to get closer to the bush, and out of the bush comes a voice. The voice tells Moses, take off your shoes, because you are on holy ground. The, 
presence of God came down as fire to speak to Moses. And out of that, Moses went from hearing the voice of God and went and led the Israelites free from Egypt, from bondage. Later on, when they were finally getting out of Egypt, some people are going to be amazed and some people are going to be perplexed. Maybe there's going to be a mixture of both. You are amazed and perplexed at the same time, like, this is really cool, this is really weird. And then some, they walked into a mocking of that. So you guys are drunk. You know, I, that new wine came out, you know, it's Harvest Festival. It's, you know, it's, it's a little early for that, but come on. You guys are toasted right now. Let's get real. And I like that reference point, and I love that Luke added this, because that is going to be our experience a lot of time with God. Even when we're not looking at what he's doing at other people, sometimes when we're looking at what he's doing in us, we're going to be amazed and perplexed. We're going to say, God, this is amazing what you're doing. I really love what is happening, but it's kind of happening in weird ways. I didn't expect for things to go down this way. You know, a lot of times the Holy Spirit can get so weird sometimes that people look at that and they say, man, that guy is demon-possessed, right? When you're coming in and looking, you're just like, that dude's crazy. He's like, he's got some issues, he's drunk or he's demon-possessed, you know, like there's something going on there. You can look at your own life and think, man. Let me give you an example. See, when the, when the Holy Spirit came down, God wasn't saying that, hey, this is, my spirit is only for the prophets, you know, or my spirit is only for a select few. It says that the spirit rested on each and every one of them. See, God was saying my spirit is for everybody. And when he came, he came with gifts. And those gifts are used for different purposes at different times. That's another message at another time. In 1 Corinthians, it gets into a lot of that. But what happened was, was God was sending his spirit, and he was saying, hey, these miracles, these amazing things, these, th this crazy thing, like you're speaking a language that you never learned before, maybe never even heard before, and you're speaking it fluently to the point where those People understand them in their own tongue. And I remember my first experience with the Holy Spirit working like that in me. It, I, I, was, I was 18 at the time, and I, I was telling somebody this before. I moved to Ohio for a year. Man, don't ever move to Ohio for a year. That's all I got to say. I, I love you, my Ohio folk. If you're listening to this, I do. But one year was good enough for me. I think... I was too much for them anyway. Because, like, I would say things like hell over there, and they're like, oh, you curse. How could you say that? Like, you, seriously, I'm not even lying. And I was like, 
damn, for real? That's a curse? And then they're like, oh, my God, my ears. <laughs> it, was really, it was really sad. So anyway, I, but what was good about Ohio is I went over, uh, I went away for a year. I had to get away from the city for a little while. A lot of noise, get away from my family, friends. And I went away to just kind of figure out things between me and God. My uncle has a church over there, and he w- had a, a Bible school in slash internship um, where he got a lot of labor out of me for a year, and it was awesome. And so, but anyway, I went over there, and I was thinking, God, my goal is just to figure out who you are. I want to know that you are real. My whole life, I'm a PK, pastor's kid. I grew up in church. My dad, every morning, every night, before I went to sleep, we had Bible study. Man, it was nuts. It, it, it was literally every single day. You know, they, I would get my checkups, like, how much of your Bible have you read today? You know, like, he would try getting me memorizing Bible scripture at, like, age seven. My dad's idea of a good bi- bedtime story was reading biographies of, like, Charles Finney and Spurgeon and all these incredible people. So, like, when I'm in second grade, these are literally my bedtime stories. <laughs> and I did get the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, and Chronicles of Narnia sprinkled in there sometimes because, of course, there's a Christian author. And so what happens is, hey, that sound is much lighter this week. Very nice, and it's outside. So what happens is I I go to Ohio, and I learned all this stuff about God, and I had actually become an atheist right before I went because I was thinking, man, this God stuff is nonsense. I've just seen so much stuff happen, so much things go down, and I I just can't, can't find this to be real. And so what happened was I said, I need to get away. I need to figure this out. And one of the things I would say is, God, I want to know you, and I want to know your voice. Because I read this passage in John that said, the sheep will know the voice of the shepherd. And I thought to myself, God, I don't know your voice. I don't know if I'm crazy and talking to myself. I don't know if it's the voice of the devil. I don't know if it's the voice of God. I I could just be schizophrenic right now. I have no clue what's going on. And so I need to know your voice. And so I began to pray this prayer, and for five or six months, every day, I prayed this. I I said, I'm going to go there for a year. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to do everything that I heard was right. And if things don't, if I don't experience the trueness of God when I'm done, then I'm done. And so every day I prayed that, and and then what happened was uh, Friday night, we used to have youth group. You know, we'd get all the young people together and have service. And there were people that started to come in, and I felt like God was telling me things about them. And if that sounds weird, it's fine, because it was weird. <laughs> okay, am I going crazy, God? You know, how, what, what is happening? And so I, re- I remember just every week, and so I, I thought, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go up to the stranger I never met before, and I'm going to tell them what I feel like God is telling me. Let's see what happens. And then, like, another month and a half passed by because I was too chicken to actually do that. It's just weird. Like, how do you go out to somebody? And then so one Friday night, the youth pastor comes up to me, and he says, Justin, I feel like God spoke to you about somebody that came tonight, and I want you to go to that person and share it. And, in fact, here's the microphone. Do it from stage. All right, goodbye. (laughs) And so I was like, okay. So I take the mic, and I go up, and I'll never forget this dude, you know, like, real Guido-looking dude comes he has like his shirt that's buttoned to about here you know this was before v-necks were cool he didn't have an undershirt forgot what that meant you know his shirt is out wearing a peach shirt and you know i was like you with the peach shirt come up he's like okay 
you know, and it comes up. And I, I don't know, honestly, I don't remember what I said, but I just started talking. I started blabbing. And the dude's just standing there. Nothing happened. He didn't start crying. He didn't fall down. You know, do a little jig. Nothing crazy like that. And so I was like, oh, you're crazy, Dustin. This, this is going to laugh at you. You know, you give up. And when I was done, you know, I did my spiel. And he looked at me. And he went, wow. I never met this guy before. It was the first time in church. said, I was up all last night thinking about this bet. In fact, because I couldn't get it out of my head, that's why I came to church today. And I was like, oh, cool, 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 cool. I kind of made my way out of the service. I went out in the back, and I was like, oh, my God, you're real. Not even lying. See, because the power of God is not something that happened on the day of Pentecost. It's not something that we're going to read about in the book of Acts. See, the power of God is the very foundation of the church. It is something that we have to internalize that is real. And not something that is just the pastor's job to experience, to dole out, to, to throw at people. But it is God who gives it to all who believe. Every believer is empowered by the Spirit to make decisions, to hear God's voice, to wa walk in his power and in his gifts. And at the end of the day, some people are going to look at you and they're going to say, man, you are weird. And they're going to mock you and say you're drunk or you're crazy or you're mental. But some people will look and they will be amazed. And they will say to themselves that day, God is real. Just like I did that night after youth group when I ran out in the back and I realized, God, you are not a fairy tale. Your spirit's dissension was not something that was made up by Luke, but it was history. It was facts, and it's present today. That you ascended far above all the earth. And your spirit, your helper, your comforter has come. And just like he empowered the disciples that day to pray in tongues, he empowers us today with his wind, his new life. He empowers us today with his fire. He empowers us today with his gifts. This is for my church. This is for you. 
When he said, go be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Go tell people about what you experienced here. Go tell people about this good news, this gospel. He didn't leave them hanging. He didn't say, just go tell people. And out of the the eloquence of your mouth or the eloquence of your words, people are going to come to know me. He said, no, go tell people. But when you tell them, guess what? I'm sending my spirit with you. You will have my power that will back you up. In your prayer life, in your walk with God, in your witness, maybe at your job or in your schooling, in your witness with your family, you are not alone. See, the very foundation of the church is here, that God has ascended, but he has also sent his spirit. And his spirit is living, and he's here, and he's living among us now. And his spirit has come with power. So I'm going to invite the worship team up. What we're going to be learning about over the next six weeks is how the Holy Spirit just began to move in this incredible, crazy way. And the church began to expand rapidly. I'm talking about thousands and thousands of people coming to know God and responding to this good news on a daily basis. It says that the church was added onto and it began to even multiply. And it's because of what we're reading here that the Spirit came and he descended. But I don't want us to think of this as a story during worship today. I want us to think about, Holy Spirit, come now. Some of you, you hear that story about me in Ohio and you think, wow, that's crazy. Maybe you mock me, think I'm crazy. But maybe you're also amazed and perplexed. And in that perplexion, I want you to ask, God, if you are real to experience you too. I want to know you. I want to know your voice like it says in John. Pray that prayer like I did. Maybe it's been a while since you experienced his power in your life. Maybe it's been a while since you just trusted him what to talk to somebody and allow him to do the talking. If you think that story is crazy, I got a lot more crazy stories for you. Just wait, keep coming. Maybe every week I'll give you another crazy story for you. Let me tell you, God is present. He is here. And he is inviting. And I want to invite you to respond to him. To open up your heart, open up your life daily to say, Holy Spirit, come. Speak to me. Help me make my decisions. Guide me. Become part of my daily life. And I believe in your power. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the day of Pentecost. All that time ago. This guarantee that you sent to us, this guarantee of heaven, 
Lord, this comforter, this helper that you have sent. Thank you, God, that you did not just leave and leave us alone. Because, Father, there's so many people here, even today, that are feeling lonely, that are feeling broken, that are feeling like all else has failed them, like everything is gone, every option has been closed, every door has been shut. But, Father, I thank you that your spirit has come. That your presence dwells among us right now. And Father, we invite you in. We invite you into our loneliness. We invite you into our depression. We invite you into our conversations, into our decision making. Father, we just say, come. There's no reason why we should live life alone when our creator has extended his hands and arms open wide to us. Stand with me. I want you to picture Father God's arms open. I want you to picture him sending a helper to come grab you, to come get you. And I want you to picture yourself just entering in to the presence of God. Because that's what's happening right now. 